Don't miss the alternative of rock radio with that 90s kid. Listen to Ash Lynch as he presents the soundtrack of a generation. From the tracks of your younger years to the charts of tomorrow. So check it out Wednesdays at 8pm. That 90s kid. Exclusively to MMH. The home of rock radio. MMH. The home of rock radio. people hello good evening welcome my name is ben you're now listening to dancing with the dead on mmhradio.co.uk i hope you're having a fantastic weekend big love to mighty mark who's just been up doing his thing pedal to the metal here from six o'clock every single saturday always delivering the lucky dip bag of mmh i love what mark brings to the table as he brings stuff that the rest of us don't even think about so many variations so many different bits and bobs i love it it's a ragtag mixture of everything it's really cool and usually really really fresh as well he's very up to date with his releases and i think it's absolutely brilliant really really right what are we gonna do for you tonight well we're having a bit of a change this month as i am doing throwback february yep 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 yep. i'm doing it for a whole month just because so this month we've got four weekends and i'm gonna go back 20 15 10 and five years so we're gonna be looking at shows from 2003 2008 2013 and 2018 to see what songs were released over those years and in all honesty for me it's a nice sort of little retro nostalgia thing which i always enjoy sadly it does make me feel a little bit old but hopefully you know we'll enjoy the ride and it's, it's always fun to look at things and go wow is that really that old because sometimes it's pleasantly surprising where are we going to begin well we're going to begin with the White Stripes. Yes, they dropped the record Elephant 20 years ago. And no, don't worry, I'm not going to play Seven Nation Army. <laughs> that track is now 20 years old. It doesn't feel like it because it still slays. The album itself is really cool. I listened to it for the first time in probably far too long in the week whilst going back over these bits and bobs. And it's like, wow, this album still slaps. It's really cool. Really, really cool. Um, I've gone for one of the slightly noisier, rockier numbers towards the end of the track, the end of the record. It's the White Stripes from Elephant from 2003. This is Hypnotize.
The White Stripes. The song is called Hypnotize. You can find it on their record, Elephant. I think it's a brilliant record. I really, really do. The variation of, of, of approaches on it from the sort of the quiet, the tranquil, to the slightly noisier, rockier, sort of almost slightly punky sort of flavoured thing, all the way through to Jack White's obvious love of the blues with some of those really slow, drawn tracks. It's an amazing album. It really, really is. It still seems absolutely crazy to me to think that the album is 20 years old. I, I'm going to be saying that a lot this this show. I can just feel it. <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. It, 2003 was an amazing year for music. It truly, truly was. And hopefully, over the course of this show, we will hope to display that. Along, along with uh, with, with um, the White Stripes, the whole garage rock sort of explosion thing it exploded from America. And um, another band that was at the forefront of that with their second record, Room on Fire. It's the strokes from that record. Ignite, I think the records, I enjoyed Room on Fire. Did it have as much impact as Is This It? No, not in the slightest. And it's a bit of a shame. You know, I think at this point they stopped being pop stars and they, became, they started to really sort of solidify their fan base from the, the Fairweather fans who came on and were like, oh, this is nice, and enjoyed this and enjoyed um, last night, but didn't ever bother to really listen to the record into the ones that actually started to really, really love the band. And yeah, Room on Fire, I think, was a really fantastic follow-up from that record. I know it's the obvious one, but this tune's so cool. It's Reptilia by The Strokes.
<laughs> Absolutely fantastic band. They're the rather marvellous Strokes. I'm not gonna. I really, really like the Strokes. They're rather fun. Overall, as a band, I enjoy them. I must admit, there's something magical about that particular record, though. It's it solidified what they did. You know, I mean, is this it? I think I oddly I, I probably prefer, but. You know, I, there was something truly, truly wonderful about the follow-up, you know? And I can't quite picture how or why. I mean, it solidified everything they'd done before. The grooves were still there. The songs were still absolutely fantastic. But there was, I mean, there was always confidence in the band. There's no way around that. They had a certain swagger about them when they first appeared. But there was something even more magical about them on this record. Because the, the, the slower tracks had more groove. You know, the first sort of ones... The, the, the groove on the first record, it was there, but it wasn't anywhere near as prominent as it could have been. And, yeah, it delivered it. It truly, truly did. Right, we're going to have a look at one more of the slightly more garagey, sort of punky-flavoured bands. And they made a huge, huge impact when they dropped. It's the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. I mean, Karen O, she's become something of a, of a superstar of her own right, independently away from the bands. But within the band, oh, my lord. From there... Oh, no, hang on. Need to press a button. Almost dropped a clanger. Yeah, not this time. Yeah, yeah, yes. Date with the night from a fever to tell from 2003.
What do you reckon, folks? Yeah, yeah, yes. Dates with the Night. You can find it on their first record from 2003, Fever to Tell. Okay, I, I, see, it's one of these things. They're just absolutely immense, absolutely brilliant. And I'm not gonna, I didn't really appreciate it at the time. At the time, I found myself going, yeah, 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 yeah I suppose, yeah. I, I don't know why, it just didn't really grab me. But as time has gone on, I think I'm starting to appreciate, I think it's Karen O's vocals. I found them a little bit squawky at the time. But as I've gone on and I've got a little bit older, I've started to appreciate the slightly chaotic nature of her delivery. And there are other vocalists that I've found that are similar that I think I found listening to first and sort of went back to going, actually, yeah, that's pretty fresh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, um, so, to, to, so to miss, oh, apologies for not quite appreciating what you did at the time as i do now i think it's absolutely fantastic so yeah fever to tell from 2003 arguably one of the best albums of the year a brilliant brilliant record also from 2003 the distillers returned they had to somehow follow up sing sing death house and as opposed to going for the throat again they slowed down they got groovier they embraced a lot more melody and they released their record coral fang coral fang was an absolutely huge record insane amount of time the record is absolutely immense whichever way you choose to look at it the record is just huge they changed their style up they mixed it up brilliantly and yeah moving away from uh, they were on Hellcat which is of course a subsidiary of um, Epitaph there was a there was a, a break and a change and a, a shuffle in the personal world of various bits and bobs that's for another day but yeah, absolutely epic, epic, epic record. It truly, truly was. The main push from the record was the immense Drain the Blood. To restrict your breath Never been a better time than this Suffocating out in dawn of bliss In a city This was with so much shade You see me rise above And take its place The heart wants until it dies Drain the blood The heart is wise All my friends are murdered Hey, all my bones
Tina C here. Join me, the early bird, every Saturday morning, 11am to midday, for an hour of rock and metal, from classic to new releases, guaranteed to wake you up inside and get you ready for the weekend, only on MMH, the home of rock radio. AFI, the song is called Dancing Through Sunday. You can find it on their brilliant record, Sing the Sorrow, hailed by many as their best work. Arguably, I would imagine probably their highest selling record. It's probably their most popular one, but still, as I was looking at the uh, punk rock vinyl uh, page on Instagram, and the fellow has been doing various sort of uh, polls where he has best of albums type things, and it's I must admit, it's just voting in his stories. It's really fun. I go on there about once or twice a week and check to see what sort of polls he's got going on. And it's really cool. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, he recently did AFI. Despite Sing the Sorrow being there, it was their jump from Epitaph to a major label. Huge, huge success, especially with songs like Girls Not Grey. But that's why I went for Dance Through Sunday, because I ever so prefer it. And Girls Not Grey has been heroically overplayed, and I played it on the show the other day. But that's besides the point. <laughs> the top two rep, the top two of the of, of the of the poll for AFI was uh, Black Sails in the Sunsets and The Art of Drowning, the two previous records, their last two records for Epitaph. I'm not gonna lie, 
For me, it's Crash Love. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I'm not just being awkward for the sake of being awkward. It's the record I've listened to from that band the most. It's the record that I find myself enjoying the most. It's just, it really is that simple. Absolutely fantastic. But Sing the Sorrow, I mean, I, I really like the record. Was it a step too far removed from where they were? For me personally, yes. So I must admit, I only like about half of the album. It is still really cool, really, really good. If you're liking that slightly gothy, romanticized, inflated, sort of flavored, bouncy punk rock, give it a look. Davy's lyrics are absolutely fantastic. The tunes themselves, there's nothing inherently wrong with them. I'm just not overly fond of a chunk of them, and that's just me, down to my taste. It's still a truly, truly stunning record. Well worth a look. That was AFI, Dancing Through Sunday, from Signosara from 2003. And before the break, we had The Distillers and Coral Fang from their record, not that, but Drain the Blood from their record Coral Fang from 2003. Only dropped a year after their Sing Sing Death House record, which I must admit I ever so slightly prefer because it's bouncier and punkier. But again, that's just where my head was at at the time, so I still associate certain bits and bobs with it. I haven't matured enough to get past that yet, not yet. <laughs> Maybe when I'm a little bit older. We'll have to wait and see. Right, <clears throat> next. Everclear. I love this band so, so much. I truly, truly do. Absolutely fantastic. For me, one of the most overlooked uh, bands, full stop, a band that have consistently kicked out brilliant, brilliant records despite a few lineup changes. Still touring, toured heavily last year. They're touring in Australia this year. I know they're, they're properly getting out and about. Hopefully, they'll come back to the UK to do some more bits. From 2003, they dropped their brilliant slow motion daydream record. I love this album. It is absolutely monstrous. Picking a track from this was not an easy one. So I went for the oddly quite chirpy <laughs> I Want to Die a Beautiful Death by Everclear.
Everclear. The song is called I Wanna Die a Beautiful Death. You can find it on their record Slow Motion Daydream from 2003. I really... I, I remember... I first heard Everclear in the 90s and I remember thinking as the records went on, like how, how are they just... They just kept improving. I mean, Sparkle and Fade for me is arguably one of the most perfect punk rock records full stop it's an amazing album a truly truly staggering album then so much for the afterglows like oh my god seriously this is just stupid fresh and then the 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 songs from american movie rats or the, the pair of them this the two soundtrack ones the heavy one the light ones like dear god is there nothing these guys can't do i'm thinking they're gonna drop a ball eventually and it's gonna be terrible they, they just said 2003 and wallop slow motion daydream just knocks it again it's like my god so so good so so good an amazing album it truly truly is go and check it out that was ever clear and i want to die a beautiful death i, I love arts lyrics they're so <laughs> they sort of drip with sarcasm but yeah there's they're just absolutely amazing so much vibe going on and so much vibe it is ridiculous right next uh, this is a band that was recommended to me to, by a chap I was working with at the time. I'd never heard of the band, which I feel quite bad for, because apparently they were quite a big deal in the States, but I'd never heard of them. And uh, I was working with a chap called Ben, and he said to me, yo, there's this band called Thursday. They got their album across the road and fought for three quid. Go give it a look. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's very rare for me to get recommended stuff by people. Just, you know, who I do. At the time, I mean, I was working with a chap who was a big hip-hop head, and I think he helped turn, um, sort of, uh, sort of, talk me away from rock and stuff. I mean I found myself struggling with rock and metal in the in the early 2000s because a lot of it the post hardcore new wave of American heavy metal sort of type vibe I didn't really enjoy a lot of it so I find myself drifting away from rock and metal at that period and my friend Ben who I was working with at the time he was big into hip-hop and I went on a massive hip-hop binge for about three or four years and I didn't listen to a lot of rock music for a very long time and uh, some of the stuff though that Ben was pointing me out yeah, some of it wasn't great, some of it was amazing, but he also pointed me out the odd sort of rock band here and there, and Thursday are one of those bands. From their War All The Time record from 2003, so the opening track, I love the vibe on this, the energy is fantastic. This is For The Workforce Drowning by Thursday.
awesome is that? Band called Thursday. The song is called For the Workforce Drowning. You can find it on their quite brilliant record, War All the Time. It is an amazing album. The vibe on it jumps between bouncy and jangly. They've got a couple of really slow, quite sort of almost, um, I'm surprised with a title like that, mournful tracks, and they're also really, really effective. It's an amazing album. It truly, truly is. So, um, yeah, to, uh, to, to my friend Ben, who I haven't spoken to him for far too long. Big love. I really do appreciate the fact that you recommended that track. <laughs> it was an awesome choice, dude. Awesome choice. Right. Let's move on. Let's crack on. We need to get on with some more songs before we run out of time. Next, um, from their debut record, The Neon Handshake, and after recently did some tours the other year, I think they got some new music to do this year, Hell is for Heroes emerged in 2003. My God, this album was absolutely immense at the time. Remember, so they had tracks on consecutive months, consecutive weeks on free CD, cover mount CDs, on Metal Hammer, on Rock Sounds, on Kerrang. Their stuff was everywhere, and they toured relentlessly in support of this record, and they put on some insanely good shows. They were highly nominated in a lot of the Kerrang Awards. They were very highly nominated, very highly represented in a lot of the sort of viewers' poll wrote votes and such like. Somehow, they were never top of the lists, and I don't know why. Because arguably for me, this record from 2003 was one of the best from that year. It truly was an immense album. From the Neon Handshake, yeah, I've gone for the obvious one. Just because I'm not gonna lie, I wanted to listen to it and have it for ages. It's Hell is for Heroes in I Can Climb Mountains. Oh, we'll run for 
The revolution has begun. Join the revolution, the lost art with Steve Gould. For only the very best in progressive rock, every Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m., only on MMH, the home of rock radio. Check it out, that was Muse. The song is called Thoughts of a Dying Atheist. It's one of the later tracks on their quite stunning record, Absolution. Memory Service Correct is the first record that they had charted number one in the UK charts. It was their third record after their Origin of Symmetry and uh, was it show, was it show, Sunburn debut record. Was it Show Business? No, Show Business first, wasn't it? Sorry. Um, 
absolutely amazing album, truly staggering record. I know that the first record they were often compared with Radiohead because of the slightly arty approach that they had and because of Matt Bellamy's slightly more falsetto vocal. The second record, Origin Symmetry, sort of took the idea that they could be another Radiohead knockoff and quite quite sort of jumped up and down it quite a lot. We're going, no, we're going to be quite heavy for this record. And they came out the gates with a much beefier sound. Absolution then just ripped everything to tatters. It's an amazing record, truly staggeringly brilliant record. You've got stuff like, is it, uh, was it Our Time Is Running Out with that massive course and that groovy, groovy bass. And then you've got things like Stockholm Syndrome with that insanely massive riff and those huge vocals. Oh my God. And Hysteria, the beat on Hysteria is nuts. If you want to check it out, go and check out, um, what's his name, Delta, Delta Program. He's, um, he's, he's a, 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 one of the YouTube drummers. But uh, Home Slice has done a drum cover of that particular track of, of Hysteria by Muse. It's so good. So, so good. He has more bombast his stuff and he makes that, sound, that song sound even beefier than before. Truly stunning. Truly stunning. Right. <laughs> Hello, folks. My name is Ben. You're listening to Dancing with the Dead on mmhradio.co.uk. We are in a 2003 special as part of Throwback February. Up next, going to go from Muse straight into Catatonia. Their most recent record, Star Void of, Sky Void of Stars, came out last weekend. They go back 20 years. Their brilliant record, Viva Emptiness, came out. I love that album so much. I went back and listened to uh, most of the records that I've put on these bits and bobs. And Viva Emptiness, I think, is one of the ones that has stood up the best. It still sounds as epic, as sweeping, as beautiful and as crushing as it did as the day I first heard it. Truly, truly staggering. From Viva Emptiness by Catatonia, with a K, I hasten to add, this is Criminals. The way the light hits the room The way I am unable to protect you I'm running away I will never forgive myself For running away from you He came back to our house I didn't take it as a promise Always thought it was a lie He went too far, the fucker It's not like I owe him money This is different Different. 
as a promise Always thought it was a lie He went too far, the fucker It's not like I owe him money This is different There really just aren't enough words for me to describe how much I really, really love that record. It's something truly magical. It's you know, there's, there's just some records that you just hear, and somehow it just sort of clicks, you know, and it, you just can't quite explain it. It just boom, and it's just there. And no matter what you think you're gonna do, you just know by the time you're on your by the time you land about sort of track three or four, you, you're already sort of like, I know this album's gonna be amazing, and I'm gonna love this album for the rest of my days. And that is what Viva Enders was. I, 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 it's weird. These days I'm so much more picky when it comes to buying records. Then days I think I heard one track on a Metal Hammer free CD and I was like, boom, I'm sold. I'm buying that album on release date. I didn't even worry about reading to reviews. I was just like, I'm sold. I'm buying this on the strength of one song. I think it was Emptiness as well. Such a good track. But, <laughs> no, evidence. It was evidence. Either one, doesn't matter. The, 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 yeah. Amazing record truly truly stunning go and buy it also go and buy a star sky void of stars it's so good it's it's them back their vintage vintage best i've liked the work they've done in between they've released another three or four records and they've all been fantastic but there is something magical about viva emptiness and there's something magical about sky void of stars both of them have got stuck and that's the that's the thing I, I can't pinpoint it and that is the best reason why it is amazing because there is that magical something and it's so good so 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 good next we're gonna look at hmm yes early 2000s moving towards the mids new metal was still very very prominent and some bands were starting to take some of the bands who were very much within the new metal scene were starting to make a slight shift and a slight shuffle away from it one of the bands released a record called Faceless, that band was Godsmack. I remember at the time Kerrang! absolutely ripped them to shreds for this record. Literally, 1K Review slagged it off, said they were as faceless as the title. They proved them very, very, very wrong. Because here we are, 20 years still, and they got a new album due out. Absolutely nailing it, still playing massive, massive shows across the States and around the world. Godsmack from Faceless, I Stand Alone.
Godsmack. The song is called I Stand Alone. You can find it on their quite frankly brilliant record, Faceless. See, that's the thing. After Awake and after the self-titled debut, they were getting a lot of flack for allegedly sounding the same as many other bands at the time. And to an extent, there was a definite sort of post-new metal, post-grungy sort of type movement with lots of bands that had a very similar sort of vibe, but to be written off as being faceless and just another one, I think was always a little bit harsh. The fact that Sully Erna always had a very distinctive vocal, even though it is, it's like a merging of Lane Staley and James Hetfield. And I think that's why it works, because you take the two, two the better elements of those vocalists and you smush them, you have Sully. And when Sully delivers it, my God, it is so very, very good. And he delivered it brilliantly on that record. He truly, truly did. And honestly, I think it's fantastic. I love the album. I really do. I know I probably shouldn't do it. Should, there's probably the element of my head that should be like, oh no, whoa, whoa, whoa. But no, I don't. I think it's a fantastic album. I really like it. Same year. Same year. Another another soundtrack uh, song as well. Corn dropped their "Take a Look in the Mirror" record. I'm not going to lie, I like I I don't like this record. <laughs> I think it's overall. I think it's a really bad album. The band were struggling. They were scrabbling around for songs, and I think it shows. The the album is overlong. Some of the tracks on the record are just awful. There's a song where they got Nas guesting. Nothing against Nas, he's a great MC and arguably one of the best of the 90s uh, sort of rappers who released some game-changing stuff, especially with some like the Illuminati. And, but, no, oh God, no, no, no. Take a Look in the Mirror overall is a really bad corn album. But there are three or four, and I do mean literally three or four, it's like a 16-track record. So yeah, the, the, the bad to good ratio is so skewed. There were a couple of good tracks on it, and there was the fantastic Did My Time.
want to get loaded and we want to have a good time. Tuesday at 6pm make sure you tune in to Loaded with me Steve Webb for your weekly fix of indie, indie rock, alternative, grunge, punk, post-punk, rock, shoegaze, a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of electro, there is loads going on. Only on MMH, the home of a rock radio. Tune in to Losing It with Luscious. That's me, Jesse Luscious, spinning the best of punk rock and oh, so much more. Every Monday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Only on MMH, the home of rock radio. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. My name is Ben. You're now listening to Dancing with the Dead on mmhradio.co.uk. Usually we look at happy, shiny, brand new stuff, but this month, I do mean that month, we are doing throwback February, not just a Thursday, a whole February. 
all of this month we're going to be looking at records from 2003, 2008, 2013 and 2018. And this week we're going farthest back, we're going 20 years back to 2003. That was Linkin Park, the song is called Faint, you can find it on their 20 year old album Meteora. It's an amazing record. It really, really is. They started to step away from the new metal in places on it. It started to, started to evolve and adapt and become more of a beast. It's a fantastic record. I'm not going to lie. I prefer Hybrid Theory myself, but that's just me. I know a lot of people do really like Meteora because it started to evolve their sound. I know a lot of people complain that Linkin Park stopped being new metal they started becoming themselves they've always been very very distinctive and Meteora was a very very much a step away from that there were still elements within there but you could see they were starting to stretch their wings a little bit and I think it worked really really well so where are we gonna go next we're gonna go to a band who released their first record that year and they are still going to this day still kicking out records kicked out a new album last year absolutely amazing they've toured extensively Pretty much every year. They played with Hailstorm last year. It's the rather marvellous Evanescence. Their record Fallen is 20 years old. And no, I'm not going to play that song. I didn't like that song when it came out. Still don't like it now. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for the opening track purely because I really like the build and I think it showcases Amy's vocals brilliantly and the riff is absolutely killer. It's Evanescence going under. Now I will tell you what I've done for you Fifty thousand tears I've cried Screaming, deceiving and bleeding
So you're not gonna lie. For me, that track is amazing. I think it's a brilliant track. I think it's really well written. I love the build. I think the chorus with Amy's vocals is absolutely sore. I like the chill bit where they slow down and let her voice go nice and tranquil. Then the rest of the album just went downhill from there. It was a great debut record. But it, they, 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 they did what they needed to do, and they really grabbed your attention with that first track. Of course, the huge single, was, was it Bring Me To Life, generated millions and millions for the band. They had the fantastic My Immortal. I'm not gonna lie, I still think My Immortal is a great song. I really, really like it. Very different to that, obviously. But the rest of the record, it became very samey after about four tracks. You know, it's like, oh, okay, is this what we got? Right, okay. Eesh. I'm so glad that they changed it up because uh, the following record, that was The Open Door, had so much more of a sort of, um, what's the word? it was a very rocky sort of flavour to it, and it worked brilliantly. Really, really, really good. And they, and since they've gone on from there, they've evolved and they've changed things up a bit, and I think they've absolutely delivered time after time after time. Absolutely fantastic. It really, really is. They've just got better and better. Their most recent record, I would say, arguably is their strongest. So it's one of those things that sometimes time does improve things. You don't get the law of diminishing returns. Evanescence are this wonderful, ever-evolving beast of a, of a band. And for me, yeah, I think they do keep getting stronger. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Where are we going to go next? We are going to go for... I'm going to go... I'm going to go typo just because I can. <laughs> Life is Killing Me is an amazing album. I absolutely adore it. After the... Um, after the very morose world coming down in case of what on earth they're going to do next and they returned with life is killing me and it's the it's the typo negative that i think everyone fell in love with the 90s it was sarcastic the humor was very very dry very very droll and it's absolutely amazing they were also blessed with having one of the best opening songs and one of the most amazing league singles ever in the history of man in i don't want to be me
typo negative. The song is called I Don't Wanna Be Me. You can find it on their quite frankly mesmerizingly brilliant record, Life Is Killing Me. And I know I use a lot of platitudes in, in, in praise for a lot of bands. And I'd say that's fair because a lot of bands deserve a lot of love. Typo definitely deserve a lot of love. That record in particular definitely deserves a lot of love. It's an amazing album. It truly, truly is. There's a really cool double disc version of it where they bundled some live stuff and some B-sides and stuff on it. It's, it was I think it was like a pound difference. Well worth the extra money because it was really cool. <laughs> Absolutely love that band so, so much. So, so much. Right, next. I'm going to roll over the ads with this, but I don't care. I'm <laughs> going to push the ads back purely for the next track. Um... I remember there's lots of legends around why Dave Grohl got involved with this particular record. Some say it's just because he's a big fan of the band and wanted to work with the band. Others say it's because he was trying to make good for them stealing the riff from their track 80s for the song Come As You Are. Who knows? I honestly don't know what the real reason is. I, I, the thing about it is, is it does strike me like the sort of band that probably Dave Grohl would like. So I think it, when the option opportunity came across, I imagine I suppose like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about the legendary Killing Joke. In 2003, they released their second self-titled record. I know, just to make life really fudge and confusing. Uh, um, it had a massive, big orange cover. The band were returning with a monster. The sound on this record was epic, and as I've mentioned, it was bolstered by some of the most frenetic and chaotic drumming by Dave Grohl. The record itself is monstrous. There's one song in the middle that I don't like. Apart from that, the rest of the album just absolutely knocks it out of the park. I've picked the stupidly epic, wonderfully abrasive Blood on Your Hands by Killing Joke from their self-titled record from 2003.
What's up, everybody? This is Sarah Wizbanger of The Wizbanger Show, inviting you to hang out with me every Friday from 2 to 4 in California, 5 to 7 in New York City, 10 to midnight in the UK, 11 to 1 a.m. Central European time. Let me ease you into your weekend with the very best of the heavy underground right here on MMH, the home of rock radio.
Iron Maiden, Wildest Dreams, from their record Dance of Death. It, it doesn't feel like it's been 20 years since that album came out. It really doesn't. I must admit, that's a record that peaked. His first two tracks, absolutely fantastic after that. And yeah, I, I lost interest on that record. I'm sorry, guys. I I feel so bad. Because, I mean, Maiden are like one of these epic, legendary bands. And I enjoyed a lot of their work. But yikes. They, they, they it, it turned, it went downhill for me really, really quickly in this millennium. <laughs> now, year 2000, I think, was it was a Brave New World. Stunning record. Bruce's return. Absolutely loved it. Then Dance of Death, where it started, yeah, and the the, 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 the cliff was quite steep. And uh, after that, yeah, I'm sorry, guys, I just checked out. <laughs> I really am. You know, I wish I could... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that a lot of the Maiden fans still find a lot to enjoy in their work. And they obviously do, because the, 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 the albums sell well, the responses to them has always been really, really positive since the return of Bruce. It's just a few of us naysayers that were like, yeah, I'm not convinced, but, you know... Either way, whichever way you cut it, the band still slay live. They still have so much energy. It's absolutely a, it is a feast to see them perform. It truly, truly is. Truly is. So yeah, from uh, from from Dance of Death, Wildest Dreams there by Maiden. 20 years old this year. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Next, um, yeah, this is this this. Uh, yeah, I there, there's there's no way you can introduce this other than just letting it do its thing. Children of Bottom are one of those wonderfully weird and bizarre things like this sort of symphonic, thrashy, death, black metal-y sort of hybrid with all manner of other bits and bobs going on. I mean, there was so much melody, but it was so hectic and so chaotic. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, they had, I mean, symphonic and thrashy just doesn't really go because, you know, the, the, the pacing of all of the bits and bobs never quite fits. But somehow, somehow they made it work across many of their records. From uh, the, the 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 record from 2003 was Hate Crew Death Roll. My God, it was an insane record. It truly, truly was. I love this album. Absolutely adore it. Picking a track, it, it, it could have been about pretty much could have been any of them. All of them absolutely just melted things. But I had to go with the quite frankly bonkers title track. Children of Bottom, Hate Crew Death Roll from 2003. Come on! Yeah, yeah. 
Take True Death Roll by Children of Bottom, title track of their amazing 2003 record. It is an absolute stunner. It really, really is. Um, I put a I put a post up on uh, the MMH Radio Instagram, which you know MMH underscore Radio. If you want to go check it out, give us a follow. Love that. It's weird. I find myself falling in and out of love with Instagram. Does anyone else find that? I find myself on there really enjoying it and loving the interactions. But then other times I find myself looking, it's all so fake. Everything's just so fake. No one's real. They've got filters on everything. It's horrible. I mean, what do you think? I, 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 I can't quite wrap my head around it. I really can't. But um, yeah, at the moment I'm enjoying it. But either way, back to the point. We put up a post earlier in the week about, about this particular show, um, about how 2003 we're going to be looking back on things over the course of the month in a, 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 a myriad, sort of like a little composite of, of nine records that were released that year, including the next record we're going to play, Strapping Young Lads, self-titled record from 2003. And as someone pointed out, the album overall was a little bit of a letdown. And yeah, after City, I think anything would be a letdown. If I could play something from City, I would, but yikes that record is stupid old it's amazing still still kills to this day but um from the syl record as as was recommended by one of the by one of the the, the users um aftermath absolutely slaps and yeah home slice is not wrong aftermath does slap and that's why we're playing that from strapping and lads self-titled syl album i'll see you in about set well yes we're gonna take us out of this chunk it into the final half final final bit of the show this is aftermath
Every Saturday from 6 to 8pm, Pedal to the Metal takes to the air with a blast of everything that is rock and metal. I like to think of it as the lucky dip bag of MMH, as you never know what you are going to get. So join me, Mark Parker, every Saturday night from 6 to 8pm on MMH, the home of rock radio. Insanity to make up the nightmare 
What do you reckon? Chimera, Pictures in the Gold Room, from their second full-length record, The Impossibility of Reason, signed to Roadrunner Records. Roadrunner were big, big players at the time. For me, they were always like uh, the first records. A lot of people rave about Pass Out of Existence. Yeah, no, it's like a bizarre mishmash of Deftones and Fear Factory. About It worked about 30% of the time. <laughs> I, I, I remember trying to listen to that record and I struggled to get through it in one go. Again, it's another one of those records that starts well, but it outstays its welcome. The Impossibility of Reason, on the other hand, was a massive shift. Massive, massive shift as they stepped away from sounding like new metal also rands and embraced just metal. It sounded much thrashier, much heavier, much beefier and punchier in comparison. And I think it worked really, really well. The impossibility of reason set them on the path where they would become so much more experimental, so much more adventurous with their sound as well. And it worked brilliantly. Truly, truly did. 2003 also saw another band coming back from the shell of their new metal past. <laughs> after a collection, after several, I think it was uh, two really bad records and an average live album, Machine Head had some serious work to prove. A lot of people say Through the Ashes of Empires did that brilliantly. I say it worked well for three songs, and the rest was still pretty bad. But those songs, when they got it right, were absolutely exceptional. Obviously, Imperium is one of them, but that is heroically overplayed. So I'm going to hit you with Bite the Bullets by Machine Head. Smash and 
you go. Machine Head bites the bullet from there through the Ashes of Empires album. Arguably what many hail as a return to form because they changed their style drastically from the new metalisms that sort of blighted their late 90s, early, early 2000s output. Because, yeah, Supercharger, that was, that was not great. And the Burning Red arguably wasn't up to much mustard either. And um, they got a lot of flack for those records. Some would say arguably fairly, some would say probably, you know, there are still some within the new metal scene that hold both albums very, very highly. And yeah, it, that's down to them. It's pretty much time to round out the show now, so I'm going to say goodnight. I'm going to start prepping for my final track, of which, you know, there are a few options still to go. You know, Arch Enemy, their Anthems Rebellion album, dropped. Entombs Inferno dropped that record. The Darkness Permission Land also dropped that year. Um, Metallica's Saint Anger also dropped that year. But I'm going to go for Lamb of God. I'm going to go for uh, Ruin from there as the Palace's Burn record because I'm not going to, I don't get to play Lamb of God as much as I, as much as I would like to um, and I'm honestly not too sure why. There's, I just don't ever seem to manage to fit them in and it's a shame because they've released some cracking work and as the Palace's Burn is a fantastic album and Ruin is an amazing song so I'm going to finish on them. Next week we'll be looking at 2008. Any recommendations? Drop me a mail, benjekyll at mmhradio.co.uk and we'll see if we can fit them in. But in the meantime, the last track that I'm going to play from 2003 from As the Palaces Burn, Lama God and Ruin. This is Dancing with the Dead. Thank you very much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I will see you real, real soon. Folks, be good and stay safe.
to say you're not crazy. That's the thing about crazy people. They don't know they're crazy. That's what makes them crazy.